0: Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Friday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. I love the Friday broadcast because it's one day closer to Sunday, and as I often say on Friday, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. I hope that you come and worship with us this weekend. We have a great time celebrating the resurrection of Christ every single Sunday, and we are so glad to have you come and join us, and we'd love to see you, love to get to meet you. I promise you, we'll make you feel right at home. Well, today I want to do a little bit of a different kind of a broadcast. And I'm going to be using a lot of the material today uh, from a guy who was involved in writing and a guy who was at one time an atheist. And the guy that I'm talking about is Lee Strobel. And uh, Lee Strobel was an award-winning journalist for 13 years in Chicago. Uh, He wrote for the Chicago Tribune and other newspapers. He was definitely a skeptic until 1981. He has written several books including a gold medallion award-winning book called The Case for Christ and The Case for Faith and The Case for Easter and so much of what I'm going to do today is is sharing with you some of the things that he wrote about, some of the things that he spoke about and he answers this question of is Jesus the only way to God and he begins by saying is this a true or false? Now we as followers of Christ would say this is true. Now, Jesus often surprised people with teachings that cut across the grain of our human nature. And as you think about this first question, is Jesus the only way to God? Things that Jesus shared about himself in some ways were contradictory to human nature. For example, he said, if you want to find your life, you got to lose it. If you want to be first, you got to be last. And then he said things like the meek will inherit the earth. And then he says that we're to rejoice in our persecution. We are to pray for our enemies. He said it's better to give than it is to receive. He tells us to turn the other cheek. But by far the most outrageous assertion that Jesus ever made, his most politically incorrect claim of all, was when he claimed in John 14, 6, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no man comes to the Father but by me. Now, this claim has been called by some as very arrogant, or very narrow-minded, or very bigoted, or even snobbish. But I believe that Jesus was telling the truth when he said it. And I believe he said it out of great compassion, not out of arrogance. And I believe that when we look at it closer, this statement makes ultimate sense. In fact, I believe this single sentence is one of the most critically important bits of information on the planet and it's given to you and me personally. So why is this claim so controversial? Well, one reason is that it strikes at the core of three great myths about religion. And so in examining this statement by Jesus, I thought it'd be a good idea to kind of address these common misconceptions. Maybe these are myths that you have heard, or maybe they're myths that you believe right now. So let's deal with the first myth, which is this. Myth number one. When you get right down to it, all religions are basically the same. Now, you've probably have heard people say that all throughout your life, that basically all religions are the same. Surface level might have some distinctions and some variations, but if you strip them all down, they're all in their essentials doing fundamentally the same thing. In other words, all spiritual paths lead up to the same mountain because all religions basically teach the brotherhood and the sisterhood of men and women and the universal fatherhood of God. Now, this was an important point. I remember when I was going through my ordination council, I was asked if I believed in the universal fatherhood of God. That is that God brings salvation to everybody. I said, I absolutely do not believe that. Now, there are some common grounds between many of the world's religions. That is true. Uh, There are some basic values and morality that they all share, but the path to God is through Jesus, and if that is the only way, then Christianity cannot be reconciled with other religions. This uniqueness of Christianity is rooted in the uniqueness of Jesus himself. Someone once noticed that other religious leaders say, follow me, and I'll show you how to find the truth. But Jesus says, I am the truth. Other religious leaders may say, well, follow me, and I'll show you the way to salvation. But Jesus says, I am the way to eternal life. Other religious leaders will say, well, follow me, and I'll show you how you can become enlightened. But Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Other religious leaders will say, well, follow me, and I'll show you many doors that lead to God. But Jesus said, I am the door. Then Jesus says, So follow me. Uh, Do you see the difference? For a long time, people have tried to harmonize the various religions of the world, but there are drastic and irreconcilable differences between Christianity and other belief systems. You see, every religion that I've ever seen is based on people doing something through struggling, through striving to somehow earn the favor of God. They say people have to use a particular prayer or they have to go on a pilgrimage, or they have to give alms to the poor, or they have to avoid eating certain foods, or they have to pray in a specified way, or they have to go through a series of reincarnations or whatever. They are attempts of people to reaching out to God. But Jesus Christ is God reaching out to us. Jesus taught the opposite of what other religions teach. He said nobody can do anything to merit heaven so we might as well give up trying. He said we're all guilty of wrongdoing. And that's consistent with our own experiences, isn't it? Nobody here would claim to be perfect. And Jesus said that our wrongdoing separates us from our holy and our perfect God. And again, that is consistent with the way we live our lives. That is consistent with our own experiences. Haven't you ever felt distant or disconnected from God? Well, of course you have because God is a righteous judge, our wrongdoing has to be paid for. So out of his love, Jesus voluntarily offered himself as a substitute to pay for the penalty that we owed for our sin. You know, sometimes we say the difference between Christianity and every other religion is two words. All the religions of the world say, you've got to do something, because they teach that people have to do a bunch of religious things rituals to try to please God. But Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E because Christ has done it all on the cross, and we just need to receive Him. You see, this distinction is starkly demonstrated by comparing a parable taught by Jesus with a similar story found in Buddhist literature. Both stories involve a son who became rebellious and left home but who then saw the error of his ways and decided to come back and be reconciled with their families. Now, in the Buddha's version of this story, that errant son is required to work off the penalty for his past misdeeds by spending years in servitude. But you know how the Christian parable of the prodigal ends? With the repentant son being warmly welcomed home by his loving father, being given undeserved grace and forgiveness. And there are other fundamental differences between Christianity and all of the other world religions as well. For instance, Christianity says there's one eternal God who created the universe. Hinduism says everything is God. You're God. I'm God. This podium is God. This car that you're driving is God. Islam denies that Jesus was God or that he died for our sins. Buddha may not have even believed in God. Friends, these beliefs cannot all be true at the same time because they contradict each other too thoroughly. So all religions are not the same. And while other religious leaders can offer wise sayings and oftentimes helpful insights, only Jesus Christ, because He is perfect, the perfect Son of God, is qualified to offer Himself as payment for our wrongdoings. No other religious leader even pretended to be able to do that. And that makes sense too, doesn't it? It's illogical to think that God would go over one side of the world and tell people, here's the way to become reconciled with me and then go to another part of the world and say, no, here's a completely contradictory way to please me and so forth. I mean, God isn't schizophrenic. It would be very sensible for us if he would provide a path for us to follow him and finding him. And that he would tell us about that path in an extraordinary manner which he did by sending Jesus Christ to enter into human history. So my friends, it doesn't matter which path you follow in your spiritual journey, some would say, but Jesus' own words dispel that myth that all paths lead to God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Well, the second myth that Jesus dispels is related somewhat to the first myth. This myth says that even though Christianity might be different, It's still just one philosophy among many. And that says there's no other way it can be valid. It's just one among other religions. In other words, even if there are differences between religions, they all have equal claims on the truth. You know, you have your truth and I have mine. Now, this truth has, uh, this myth rather, certainly has been around for a long time and it has some appeal to it on the surface. It seems that it can reflect our pluralistic attitude in this country. And we do not want to be intolerant of others. We want to be tolerant of others, don't we? And the Bible tells us that we should be loving and accepting and respectful to all people, regardless of their faith. But here's the thing. Under our Constitution, all religious viewpoints are equally protected. People can believe whatever they want, but some people jump to the erroneous conclusion That because different philosophies are equally protected, they must be equally valid. And that's just not the case. You see, the concept behind the Supreme Court has called our marketplace of ideas is that truth and falsehood will grapple in unhindered debate, so that in the end, truth will prevail. So even though all religions are equally protected under our Constitution, that has nothing to do with whether they're based on truth. Now, Lee Strobel uses this as an example. He says, let me give you an example in honor of the late Mike Roycoy. A few years ago, Roycoy wrote a tongue-in-cheek column in which he was a member of the Church of the asylum He said this church believes that there was an advanced civilization of a distant galaxy millions of years ago, but a few hundred of those aliens ate some tainted vegetable dip and a virus scrambled their brains. When treatment failed, they were taken to an uninhabited planet that would serve as an asylum and where they could roam free and act goofy. That planet, he said, was Earth, and were all descendants of those aliens. Warwick always said to the doubters, you want proof? He said, just read the history books. Look at the newspaper and the TV news. Then tell me this isn't a big loony bin. Now, Roy Coy was just kidding about the Church of the Asylumism, but in this country, people had the right to believe whatever they want. The Church of the Asylumism would be protected under the Constitution as much as any other religious institution, but that doesn't mean that its teachings are true. And of course, that means everyone is free to make the claim, as Jesus did, that they are the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody can come to God except through Him. I could say it, or you could say it, but that wouldn't make it true. The question is, how do we know Jesus was telling the truth? Well, Jesus backs up his claim with very unique credentials that make him uniquely credible. For example, Jesus authenticated his claim of being God by fulfilling dozens of century-old prophecies against every mathematical odd. These prophecies were like a thumbprint that only the Messiah would be able to fit. And in all of history, it only fits Jesus. I will refer to just one of the many prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. If you saw Gibson's The Passion of Christ, you saw Judas throw his betrayal fee of 30 shekels into the temple. That was the fulfillment of a prophecy made hundreds of years prior. Unlike other religious leaders, Jesus performed great miracles that further authenticated his claim to being God. In one of the most spectacular demonstrations of his deity, Jesus fulfilled his own prediction by being resurrected from the dead, in an historical event that was witnessed by more than 500 people, which sparked a spiritual revolution unparalleled in all of history. Now, friends, Christianity isn't just a philosophy, it's reality. Jesus didn't claim or just claim that he was one and the only son of God. He validated his claim like nobody else in history. So we've seen that this first myth that all religions are basically the same isn't true because Christ's teaching set Christianity apart from all of the faiths. And the second myth that Christianity is just one philosophy among many Is only as valid as any other religion, isn't true because the unique credentials of Christ that he gave provided him with a credibility like no other spiritual leader. So, in other words, when he claims to be the way to God, his credentials back him up. Well, here's the third myth that we want to cover today. Christians are narrow-minded or snobbish when they say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Now, I'd agree that some Christians act narrow-minded. I agree that some Christians act snobbish. And I'd agree that this would be a major problem if the message was not true. If what they are saying was false, they would be very narrow-minded and very snobbish. They're saying that the truth of the matter is that someone has got to pay the penalty for our obvious wrongdoings that keep us away from God. And Jesus, by virtue of his sinlessness and his divinity, is the only one qualified to be our substitute. That's just the reality of the situation, and it's not narrow minded to act upon the evidence and pursue the truth. Let me draw you an analogy. Suppose your friends have a baby girl who developed jaundice shortly after birth. Jaundice is a liver disorder that caused her skin and the whites of her eyes to turn yellow. The pediatrician told them that this is a potentially devastating disease, but it is easy to be treated. All they have to do was to put the baby under a special light for a while, and this would stimulate her liver properly, and she'd be all right. Now, the parents could have said, that sounds too easy. How about instead, if we scrubbed her with soap and dipped her in bleach? If we worked hard enough, I'm sure we could get her normal color to come back. But the doctor would have said, no, there's only one way to handle this. They could have replied, well, how about if we just sort of ignore this and pretend that everything's okay? You know that jaundice is your truth, doc, and not our truth. If we sincerely believe that, things will work out for the best. The doctor would have said, you jeopardize your baby if you do that. Look, there's only one way to cure her. You're hesitant because it sounds too easy but look at the credentials hanging on my wall. I've studied at medical school and I've used what I've learned to cure countless babies like yours. Trust me. Now would anybody accuse these parents of being narrow-minded if they decided to trust the doctor and they pursued that course of treatment that was given by the doctor? That's not narrow-minded. That's acting rationally in accordance with the evidence that it was given. Well, we all have a terminal illness, and it's called sin. And the reason we cling to Christ is because He's the great physician who has the only cure. We can try to scrub away our sin with good deeds, but it won't work. We can ignore it. We can hope it goes away, but it won't. We can sincerely think there's another way of dealing with it, but it won't. It will be sincerely wrong. You see, the truth is that only the great physician offers a treatment that will erase the stain of our sins. When we turn to him, we're not being narrow-minded. We're acting rationally in accordance with the evidence. And it's not snobbish to believe that Jesus taught about being the way to God. Because frankly, Christianity is anything but snobbish. Now let's pretend there are two country clubs. The first one only admits people who have earned their membership. To get in, you've got to obtain a superior wisdom Or you've got to fulfill a list of demands and fulfill certain spiritual requirements. Despite their best efforts, lots of people just won't make the grade and they will be excluded. Friends, that's what other religions are saying by teaching that people have to work their way to God. But the second country club says, anybody who wants to come in can join us. Jesus has already paid for your membership rich or poor or black or white, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your background, regardless of where you live, regardless of what you've done. Entry isn't based on your qualifications, but only on accepting Christ's invitation. So we'll leave the matter to you. You decide. But remember, we will never turn away if you seek admission. Now that's what Christianity is like. Now which country club is being snobbish? Christians aren't putting on airs. We aren't saying we're better than anybody else. As one Christian said, we are just beggars telling other beggars where to find the food. Friends, Christianity is unique. It can't be reconciled with any other religion, and it backs up its truth claims with the credentials and the credibility of Christ. That's why when he said he is the way, the truth, and the life, history hasn't laughed. Instead, History has been revolutionized. But you might be asking, what about those who live in an isolated place who haven't had a chance to hear about this Jesus? What's going to happen to them? This is one of the most commonly asked questions about Christianity. And frankly, we don't have the complete answer. God hasn't explicitly told us all we need to know, but there are some things that we do know. First, we know from the Bible that everybody has a moral standard written on their hearts by God and that everybody is guilty of violating that standard. That's why our conscience bothers us when we do something wrong. Secondly, we know that everybody has enough information from observing the world that they know that God exists, but people have suppressed that and rejected God anyway, for which we rightly deserve eternal separation from Him. But we also know from the Bible that those who sincerely seek God will find Him, In fact, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is seeking us first, making it possible for us to seek God. And this suggests to me that people around the world who respond to the understanding that they have and who earnestly seek after the one true God will find an opportunity in the same way, to receive the eternal life that God has graciously provided through Jesus Christ. You see, it's very comforting to know that each person will be judged uniquely and justly according to what they knew, and according to what was revealed to them. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 4-5 that only God can expose the motives of a person's hearts. And finally, friends, nobody will be excluded from heaven solely because he or she has lacked information. You see, the reason people will be denied admittance into heaven is because they have told God their entire life that they can live just fine without Him. On Judgment Day, God will say, well, based upon your own decision to live separately from me, you will now spend eternity apart from me. You see, God won't violate our will, and that's only fair. But for you and for me, the issue isn't ignorance, it's obedience. We've heard what Christ has to say. Even today, we have access to the evidence, and it's clear we're responsible for our decision and how we respond. Some of you may need to respond today by being serious about being a seeker and being sincere and being systematic in your search for truth so that you can acknowledge the fact that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You see, if you're like 84% of Americans, you already believe that Jesus is God. But maybe you haven't entered into a personal relationship with him. You know, Lee Strobel, when he was 14 years old, one day was home alone. He was painting with oil paints, and he had been working in the basement of the house in Arlington Heights, Virginia. As he was down there painting in the basement, he wanted the paint to dry faster, so he decided that he would plug in a heat lamp to try to get that oil paint to dry faster. But before long, a fire broke out among the rags, and the rags quickly burst into flames. The entire corner of the basement immediately was engulfed in flames. He ran up and he got the phone and he called the fire department. When he returned down into the basement, the fire was out of control. Orange and yellow flames were climbing up and he was trapped. He couldn't get out of the basement. As he was in that terrible situation, he grabbed a bucket of water from the laundry room and dashed it and threw it over the fire, but that didn't help very much. The basement was rapidly filling with black smoke. He started choking as the flames were be coming to overwhelm him and became disoriented. He couldn't find the stairs. The lights went out and the smoke was too thick. That's when he had a horrible realization. He could not save himself. At that particular moment, there was a police officer who knocked on the basement door. Realizing that somebody was trapped in that basement door, he ripped open the door to that basement and charged in and rescued Lee from ultimate death. You see, he realized he couldn't save himself. He was totally dependent upon that police officer. It was an act of faith that he responded to the cry of that police officer. He listened to that voice and he followed that voice and he was saved. You know, that's how Jesus works in our lives. We cannot save ourselves. We are in such a mess that no matter how hard we try, we are trapped. Jesus is the truth. He is the life. He has come to redeem us. He has come to save us. So today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, why not today cry unto Him? Call upon the name of the Lord, and you will be saved. Your life will be radically changed. You become a new creation in Christ. And if you make that decision today to follow Christ, would you be so kind as to call me? 757-421-7500 757-421-7500 And just say, hey, Pastor Calvin, I pray to receive Christ today. I would love to rejoice with you. I'd love to share some things that will help you as you begin this journey. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunny service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.